All right, good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning to First Church, and I'd like to welcome those that are listening on the radio and also those that are watching on uh, Facebook Live. Would you please rise and join me in the call of worship taken from Psalm 46? God is our refuge and strength, one ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth will give way, and the mountains will fall into the heart of the sea, though its water roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fail. God will keep her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and will be exalted in earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now let us sing holy forever. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are standing in his presence and they're watching. There is a throne where angels are surrounding it crying, Holy, holy, holy. Let's join together in worshiping him. Father, we ask for you to come. Be, your presence is here with us. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified in all that we say and do. Holy Spirit, come and hover and teach us. Sing the song forever to the land. 
Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousands plus thousands plus thousands. There was a loud voice. The lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in earth, on, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on, on the sea, and everything in them say, Blessing and honor, glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And I just think that's so cool that we serve a God who is transcendent, who, who transcends time, who we get to worship with people who have gone before us. And we're also worshiping with people who are still coming. And we're all this one big family united under one name, Jesus. He is our binding power. Um, yeah. 
I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus. Your name is Jesus, over every heart and every mind. 
within your presence, I speak Jesus. Let's pray with me, will you please? Heavenly Father, we just want to speak the holy name of Jesus, Lord. That's all we can think about, Lord. And Father, I just thank you that you give us the blessing that we can humble ourselves this morning and come to you in prayer, come to you face to face in prayer. That is just so special, Father. And that's all done because of the work of your Son on the cross. And we're so thankful for that. And Father, we have prayers and concerns lists in our bulletin every morning, Father. It never seems to shrink up. But... So we don't know what their concerns are, Father. But we know you know everything about it. So we lift those names up to you, Father, that you can give healing where healing is needed and comfort and peace where that is needed, Father. Father, we pray for all the Christians across the world, Father. We lift them up to you, the ones that are being persecuted in their faith, Father. I don't think any of us here in this country can understand what they're going through. We freely are able to walk around and go to church and other functions that that praise you, and we're so thankful for that, Father. But yet, Lord, with all those freedoms that we have, I think all of us can see that some some individuals and corporations are trying to chisel our freedoms away from us, Father. And I pray that we stand up and say we've had enough. We aren't going to let that happen to us anymore. We want I just pray that each and every one of us, Father, can align our lives according to your will, Father. You just mean so much to us, and we're so thankful that we can come to you face to face with our concerns and our joys. Father, I just pray that the spirit of unity would fall down around our communities and our churches, Father. Drive out the darknesses that may be hanging around and give us all clarity in our lives as we look forward to seeing to the day when we can come face to face with you in person and as we bow down before you because we will not be able to look at you, Father. You are so glorious and so wonderful and so powerful. And we just thank you so much, Father, for who you are for us. And, Father God, we thank you that this morning we can come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. And now the children will come forward for the children's chat. Come on down. Good morning. 
All right, we'll try this side. Oh my goodness, look at you guys. Big crowd. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? A little sleepy this morning. We're going to wait on a few more, okay? Ah, there they are. I'm not taking attendance, but I knew you'd get down here. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you this great Sunday morning? Is it kind of a sleepy morning? Oh, my goodness. I woke up and it's raining and and I was like, oh, my alarm hadn't gone off yet, <laughs> yeah, but I was awake. So I am so excited to see you all here. And I wanted to talk today about to-do lists. Do any of you guys have to-do lists at your house? Do you, have a, do you make a list of things that's to do at home? Or does, uh, does your dad get a list from your mom on things to do on Saturday or anything like that? A little bit of that, okay. Well, we get really busy. We get really busy. And I like to make lists. But guess what happens? Sometimes I get nervous about the list. Because if the list is like so long, it's just like overwhelming. Like, where do I start? Do you ever feel that way? You come up, wake up on Saturday, and you're like, oh, man, we're going to be doing this. We got this. We got practice. And we got sports. And we're running. And we're working on the house. And we got to get. No. Okay. Well, what, are the th- what are some things that you have on your list, maybe, that you've done this week? What did you do this week? Played Fortnite. Critical, mission critical, good. Glad you enriched your week there. Yeah? Do what? Softball practice, yep, we had to do some of that this week. What else? Baseball practice, for sure, yep, yep. I made a little list of just some things. It's springtime and we're all getting busy. So we've got t-ball and softball. There might be some soccer. Um, Some folks are going to gymnastics. There's probably going to be some football stuff starting soon, depending on what community you're in. We've got spring tennis at the high school level, basketball. Anyone have a garden to plant? Hope you got some seeds in the dirt before the rain came. Anybody get some mulch to lay down? Anybody lay down some mulch? You didn't? I thought so. Okay, gotcha. Well, the point is, you know, we make these to-do lists, and they get so long, and sometimes it gets overwhelmed, we get worried. Well, today we're going to hear about a story about a guy, Elijah. Um, first, I've got to make a confession about my to-do list. Do you know what I forgot to put on my to-do list this week? I'll tell you. You ready? You ready for children's chat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in a text message buried somewhere, and it never made it onto my to-do list, which is my Google Calendar. And so at 8.48, I go back to talk to Jim, who's running sound, and said, hey, thanks, this band sounds pretty good now. And he hands me a microphone. So it wasn't even on my list to talk to you guys today. But how cool is this? So in Elijah, in the book of First Kings today, Elijah's going to talk about, um, he's just, he's stressing out. He's out in the wilderness. He's like, a whole bunch of people just got killed. He is all worked up. And God comes to him and says, you know what, Elijah? You just got to take a break. You got to slow down a little bit. How many of you guys are going to take a nap today? I've got enough of my list done. I am taking a nap today. Let it be known. Let it be written. Let it be done. I'm going to take a nap today. All right. And that's good. Because it's in the Bible. The Bible says, hey, sometimes you just got to take a little break here, man. Have a little food, a little snack. How many people are going to eat a snack today? I can make a few extra meals out of snacks. I'm like a five meal a day kind of guy. I mean, if it's there, I'll graze. Yeah, (laughs) okay. So in the Bible story today, we're going to hear about how Elijah gets a little food and then goes down and takes a nap. And what a good message for a nice rainy Sunday morning for maybe all of us, right? Because the list keeps getting longer. And that kind of happens even when you get older, too. 
So maybe think about it today. Maybe if, if mom and dad are acting a little groggy, you know, maybe they're a little, hey, maybe they're a little tired. Uh, maybe you guys have some snacks. Take a nap today. What do you think? Maybe. Yes, no, maybe so. All right. Let's fold our hands and pray here real quick then, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for bringing these young hearts and minds to worship this morning. Um, just may their hearts and their minds be filled with knowledge and your love um, and your goodness and wisdom. Just bless them as they go from this place and the days to come that they may walk in your way and be uh, a testament to your goodness um, in the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back. You know, I was told once that as an adult, you are going to regret all the naps you refused to take when you were a kid. And it's true, right? You refuse, when you're a kid, it's the last thing you want to do. Um, but when you're an adult, you wish you had a little extra time to take a nap every once in a while. All right. Um, today's offering is going to support the general fund here at First Church. Uh, so if you are feeling led to give to support the, the general fund here at First Church, you can give in the offering as the deacons come, along, come around to collect the offering this morning. Our song this morning is a combination between the choir and the praise team. We're excited uh, for this, and the song is called Miracle Power. So I invite you, uh, invite deacons to come forward and receive the offering as we hear this song this morning. This is for the lost and lonely, for the broken and afraid. This is for those who are hurting, hoping help is on the Holy Spirit. 
listening for the scripture reading this morning. The scripture reading is from 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 18, if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, page 355. Now Ahab told Jezebel, Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Thank you, Tracy. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Father God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to worship you together this morning as a church family. We praise you and thank you for the people that are here in the sanctuary, as well as those who are listening on the radio and watching online. Lord, uh, that technology provides us the opportunity to be together and hear from your word, even though we may be separated by physical distance. And so we praise you and thank you now for your word, which is truth. 
and which sanctifies us. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your spirit also give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Snickers, you know, the candy bar, they ran a a series of commercials some years ago um, where a person, a well-known celebrity, would be acting all crazy. You know, they were angry, they were mad, they were upset um, and frustrated. And someone would hand them a Snickers bar and say, you're just not yourself when you're hungry. And so they take the Snickers bar, take a bite of it, and they'd instantly transform into a kind of a normal, right, person, not the celebrity that was being portrayed on the screen. And the whole, the whole idea of the commercial was that when you're hungry, right, you start to act upset and mad, and you just need to get something in your system, right? And of course, the Snickers bar, we all know with its wonderful nutritional, nutritional value, how helpful that can be. Um, but we all have experienced that before, haven't we? We've experienced uh, what you know, my kids like to call being hangry, right? You're hungry and you're angry um, and you, you get all upset about things. Uh, we've experienced that in a, in a kind of a whole new way this past year with Josephine with her diabetes. Um, her blood sugar, as it goes up or down and it's out of its normal zone, um, we experience hangry in a whole new way with her. Um, and of course, that is something that's outside of her control in a lot of ways, but it's something that we've experienced ourselves. All right, the truth is that whether we need a snack or we are dealing with uh, circumstances outside of our control, sometimes we get upset, right? Sometimes we get angry. Particularly today, I want to talk about being burned out. Um, I'm sure you guys know what I mean when I say that phrase, being burned out, being worn down, feeling and that, and that could express itself in a whole variety of ways, uh, whether it's depression, anxiety, discouragement, stress, being overwhelmed. Right? Those are all experiences, all emotions that we have to deal with from time to time. And that's exactly what Elijah is dealing with here in this passage. And I know this is a very maybe heavy topic for a lot of us. It's something that is very personal to you or to your family dealing with overwhelming emotions, whether it be um, depression or anxiety or some of those things that I already mentioned. Um, This conversation may hit close to home for you. And so I just want to encourage you to listen with an open heart and an open mind, Um, because I do think it's important for us to acknowledge the reality of these things, that people do deal with discouragement, that deal with depression, that deal with um, feelings of, of anxiety or being overwhelmed. And Scripture does speak to how we can handle those feelings. And I think Elijah's story here in 1 Kings 19 gives us some insight. Maybe not the full picture, of course, but some insight into how we can handle being burnt out. So the first, but the first thing we need to acknowledge is that burnout can affect anyone at any time. Now, Elijah is one of my favorite characters from the Old Testament when I was younger. Just one chapter before this story is the famous encounter of Elijah with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah was always kind of presented to me as this superhero of types, right? This prophet who did amazing and wonderful things for God. He was actually introduced back in 1 Kings 17. And in that chapter, he announces a drought that will overtake the land of Israel. And during that time period, he is 
fed by ravens in a ravine. He goes and stays with a widow in, in a town called Zarephath. And, and this widow had just a small amount of flour and a small amount of oil left because a famine had struck the land. And so, and so that small amount of flour and small amount of oil fed the widow, her son, and Elijah during that entire time. He even goes on to bring her son back to life. And then in 1 Kings 18, there's this encounter on, the, on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. You have Elijah on his own on one side, a prophet of the Lord, faithful to the God of Israel. And on the other side, you had King Ahab and Queen Jezebel turned away from the Lord and, and worshiped these false gods. And the, the Elijah puts, it to the, puts them to the test. He says, all right, let's prepare two altars. We're going to have an altar on one side, that's for you. And we're going to have an altar over here, and that's for me and, and the Lord. And he says, you get to go first. Prepare the altar just as you normally would for a sacrifice, but do not light it, right? Do not add fire to the sacrifice. And he says, you pray and ask Baal to send fire down from heaven. I'll pray and I'll ask the Lord to send fire down from heaven and we'll see who answers. And for those of you who are familiar with the story, the prophets of Baal spend all morning praying and crying out to their God and nothing happens, right? Elijah is even so bold to kind of make fun of him, right? What is, is Baal sleeping? Do you need to go wake him up, right? Is he just not paying attention? Is he distracted? And it says that nothing happened. There was no answer. But Elijah simply kneels down and prays, and the Lord sends fire down from heaven, consuming the sacrifice. The prophets of Baal were proved to be, to be in the wrong, and Elijah, through his prayer, proves that the Lord is the one true God. The people of Israel respond with confidence in the Lord and, and defeat the prophets of Baal. So 1 Kings 18 ends on a very triumphal note. The Lord is, through Elijah, proves his power and his authority over these false gods. It's a very uh, spiritual high, I guess you could say. And that's exactly where the story in 1 Kings 19 picks up. Elijah had just experienced a tremendous display of the Lord's power and authority. He witnessed a great victory over Baal and his prophets. But now he's afraid. Now he's running for his life. He despairs and fears because Jezebel has threatened to kill him. And so in these opening verses, we see Elijah running for his life. In despair, he runs away and hides in the wilderness. And he sits by himself under a bush and asks the Lord to take his life. Notice the contrast here between the brave and the bold Elijah of 1 Kings 18 on Mount Carmel and now uh, this Elijah who is fearful, who is afraid, and who is despairing for his own life in 1 Kings 19. Why the sudden change? Well, anybody who has dealt with these sorts of emotions, these sorts of mental health problems, knows that changes in mood and mental health can often be unpredictable. Right? Sometimes there are obvious indicators as to why a person gets into a funk, why they struggle with depression or anxiety or stress. Sometimes there's a direct connection between their circumstances and their mood. But that's not always the case. Right? Elijah goes from the absolute highest point he possibly can be to his absolute lowest point in a matter of moments. 
Sometimes the change is difficult to explain. Sometimes there's not a, a reason or cause that you can point to, but that doesn't make those feelings or those situations any less real. Notice the kinds of things that Elijah is struggling with in this chapter. He struggles with fear. He's afraid that he is going to lose his life at the hands of Jezebel. He is in despair. At one point, as he's sitting alone in the wilderness, he asks the Lord to take his own life. He is done. And he's dealing with burnout. Right? As he's sitting there under the, the bush, he says, I've had enough. I've had enough. Right? We think that we're washed up and we have nothing left to give, that we are burned out. But we see here in this story, and I believe God tells each one of us as well, that God has other plans, that he's not done with us yet. You see, it's important to recognize that burnout or any of these other lists of uh, mental health problems, right? They are, we are not immune to them as followers of Christ. Faith in Christ does not just protect somebody completely from these sorts of problems. The book of Psalms is a great example of this. Roughly one-third of the Psalms, one-third of the 150 Psalms deal with lament, deal with people who are in the midst of anguish and despair and stress, and they are crying out to the Lord for help, sometimes even questioning God in his, in his work in their lives. Take Psalm 31, for example. Psalm 31, verses 10 through 13. Listen to what uh, the psalmist says in these verses, and if you maybe have been able to relate at some point in your life. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee, flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispers, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Right? When we read the Psalms, we typically stick to the happy ones, don't we? Right? We like to stick to the ones that exude confidence and trust and hope. But if we follow the pattern of Scripture, one-third of the Psalms deal with these sorts of feelings and issues, right? Depression, anxiety, stress, anguish, despair, being overwhelmed, feeling hopeless, right? Christians are not immune to those feelings. They can affect us just like they do the rest of the world. And these psalms of lament and scripture are there to remind us that it can happen, but that we can also, we have hope in the midst of our burnout, that we have Hope in the midst of our depression and despair and anxiety and stress and loneliness. And that hope comes from the Lord. The second thing it's important we want to note here from Elijah's story is that, bur first of all, burnout can happen to anyone at any time. But we also see here that burnout is caused by a variety of reasons. There are two that are mentioned in Elijah's story, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means but we can learn from Elijah's experience. The first cause of burnout in Elijah's life was his loneliness and isolation, both real and perceived. Right? Elijah is all alone. 
He was alone in his standoff against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he was alone once again in the wilderness. And that loneliness and isolation, right, caused him to feel depressed and and despair and worried. He believes that he's the only one that remains faithful to the Lord. And that last line there is important for us because that leads into the next one. Loneliness, isolation, those are very real problems that we face. But Elijah believed he was the only one left, and that was a lie that he bought into. You see, the second cause of burnout and some other problems that we face is that we buy into lies and believe they are true about ourselves or our world. Listen to Elijah's complaint, right? When he interacts with the Lord, he says, Israel rejected the Lord's covenant. He tore down their altars and killed the priests and prophets. Those things were true. They did happen. But the last thing he says was a lie. He says, Elijah thinks he's the only one left. He's the only one that's faithful to the Lord. But we know from Scripture that that's not true. Just in the chapter before, we learn about Obadiah, a man who protected a hundred prophets from Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. He hid them in a cave and supplied food and water to them. And then on the very last verse of our scripture passage today, the Lord reminds Elijah there are 7,000 people in Israel still loyal to him that have not worshipped Baal. You see, Elijah had bought into a lie that he was, and the Lord had to correct him in that, right? Had to speak truth to that lie. Don't believe the lies that we tell ourselves or the ones that the enemy whispers in our ears. The enemy wants you to feel alone. He wants you to feel isolated. That there is no one else who can relate to your struggles. That there's no one else who can help. He wants to divide and conquer. Depression, discouragement, burnout, those things thrive on isolation. And he will whisper lies in your ear to get you alone, to make you feel isolated from everyone else. That's exactly what Elijah was experiencing in 1 Kings chapter 19. And so we know that burnout can happen to anyone at any time. We talked about a couple of the causes, but I want to spend the remainder of our time here talking about how, how to deal with it. Dealing with burnout or other mental health issues requires addressing the whole self, physical, relational, and spiritual. It, deals, it requires addressing the whole self. First of all, we see that the Lord meets Elijah in his distress. As Elijah is despairing and fearing uh, what it might happen to him in the wilderness, that's exactly where God goes and meets him as he's under the bush in the desert. He sends an angel to minister to Elijah both his physical and his spiritual needs. Right? This isn't the first time that the Lord met someone in distress under a plant in the wilderness. All the way back in Genesis 16, there's a story of Hagar, Sarah's female servant, who, who has a child with Abraham, that child Ishmael, and, and they are, she is sent away with her child. And she's out in the wilderness, and she is despairing for her life. And there the Lord meets her. And she names, she, she, she says that God, the Lord, is a God who sees me. That's exactly what Elijah experiences here as well. He was also out in the wilderness under a bush in despair and fear for his life. And God saw him too. God sees you in your distress and in your grief and in your pain. And he meets you there and he wants to minister to you. And so that's exactly what God does for Elijah. He meets him there 
and he helps him. And before we talk about the physical and relational and spiritual needs, it's also important to notice that healing takes time. Elijah has to rest up, right? And he has to eat a couple meals. And then he has to go on a journey that takes 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, which is also the name for Mount Sinai. 40 days and 40 nights is a very significant time frame in Scripture. It's the time that it rained during Noah's flood. It's the time that Moses spent on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. And it's the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Quick fixes are usually that. They're quick. They work for a while, but eventually wear off. Real healing, the kind of healing that God wants to provide for you, will take time. It'll be a journey. So first, the Lord addresses Elijah's physical needs. He tells him to eat and sleep, have a snack and take a nap, right? It's important when we talk about burnout and these sorts of things to not ignore the physical reality of mental health. You need to care for yourself. The Lord ministers to our physical needs. The cause of Elijah's burnout is not strictly physical. There's more to it than that. But it is physical to an extent. There was a physical component that was real and needed to be addressed. So what are some practical steps? How can we address the physical needs that we have? Well, we need to eat well and rest, right? Eating well, taking care of yourself physically, finding the rest that you need, getting exercise, those things are all going to help you if you're in a funk, if you're depressed, if you're anxious. It's important that you take care of yourself physically as well as relationally and spiritually. Right? Studies show that people who do those things have overall better mental health. We are embodied creatures, right? God formed Adam out of the dust and he called it good. Our physical bodies are part of who we are and how God created us. And we should take care of our physical bodies. It does have an impact on us relationally and spiritually as well. And one quick note before we move on to the next part. It's important to acknowledge that sometimes medications are a good and helpful thing for people who are struggling with mental health disorders. Yes, sometimes the problems we face are caused by chemical imbalances, right? I'm no doctor. I don't, I don't take my medical advice at all. But medications can help regulate those things, right? And there's no shame in taking medications to help combat the mental health problems that you're facing. Just know that the medication alone is usually not enough. There are other components to consider. And so quickly, I just want to talk about the relational side of it as well. There's the bridge between the physical and the spiritual. The best way to combat our loneliness, the best way to combat the isolation that mental health problems often come along with is to have authentic and godly relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. That may be friends, that may be family, that is your church family to come alongside you and help you through. One of the things that the Lord instructs Elijah to do is go and find Elisha. I know that's confusing. Elijah and Elisha, I know, right? But Elisha is the prophet who will succeed Elijah. And the Lord tells him to go find him and they minister together for a while so that Elijah is no longer alone. It's important to have godly relationships and friendships to walk with you through difficult times. And finally, and the most important part of this is the spiritual needs that the Lord addressed. And there's three things that he does for Elijah here. First, he and Elijah has a personal relationship, a personal encounter with the Lord. After arriving at the mountain, the Lord tells Elijah to go onto the mountain and wait for him. 
He's going to cause his presence to pass by. And notice that the Lord isn't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, those things that are normally associated with God's presence and his power. No, it says that the Lord is in the gentle whisper. Some of your translations say a still, small voice. In the original Hebrew, it says it's a thin silence, which I think is kind of the best explanation. I think that's a great imagery, right? The thin silence. That is where the Lord meets Elijah. We too often are, we, we expect God to work only in big and dramatic ways. We want the writing to be on the sky, right? We want to hear the audible voice from heaven. God can and does work in big ways, but he also works in the silence, in the stillness of everyday life. The problem is that we're often too busy to notice it. We, are so, we, we keep ourselves so busy at all times. There's always noise. There's always the fast-paced nature of our lives. We never slow down and pause long enough to actually recognize the voice of God. And so we need to slow down and be still. God spoke to him in the silence, and he wants to speak to us in the silence too. So we need to take time and pray like Jesus did, to go off to lonely places, take timeouts, and spend time with the Lord. And we need to practice silence as part of our prayer life, right? Don't just talk at God, but take time to listen on how he wants to respond. And finally, if you want to hear the voice of God, that's right here, right? If you want to hear what God has to say to you, he's given us his words so that we can know what he has to say. Our problem is we just ignore it or we just, we just consume it and not let it actually impact our lives. We need to hear from God in the stillness. The second thing that God does to address Elijah's spiritual needs is he gives them a task. He gives them purpose. See, God created us with responsibilities, right? He created Adam and Eve to be his representatives, to be stewards over creation. Jesus gave his disciples a task to go into all nations and make disciples. We were created for a purpose. We were created to... So when we feel aimless when we feel like we have nothing to offer, when we feel burned out, we need to remember that God has given us a task. Many people today struggle with this lack of a sense of purpose. They don't know what to do with their lives. But the one task that God has given every Christian, no matter when they live or where they live, is to love him, love others, and make disciples. The trick is figuring out what that means for you in your particular context in your life. And finally, we need to combat the lies that we buy into with truth. That's exactly what the Lord does for Elijah. He speaks truth into his life. He reminds him that he's not alone, that there's plenty of others. You see, we need to rehearse the truth of God's word. We need to rehearse the promises of his word, even when they're hard to believe. The enemy's strategy is to deceive and distract us. It's a, it was a strategy in the Garden of Eden and it continues to be a strategy today. And unfortunately, it's very effective. His goal is to get us to buy into the lies that he tells us. He manipulates and twists the truth. And so the only way to combat those lies is by grounding ourselves in the word, in truth. Specifically, we need to know our identity in Christ and we need to know his promises. So I want to close by briefly sharing a few of those with you. We need to know your identity in Christ, that you are a child of God, that you are loved, that you are saved, and that you are redeemed. 
that you have been brought out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, that though you were once dead in trespasses and sins, because of God's great love, he has made you alive in Christ and you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. We need to know God's promises that he will never leave nor forsake us. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest for your souls. That we should not worry about tomorrow, that what we will wear or what we will eat for your father, for the pagans run after such things, but your father in heaven knows exactly what you need. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, to combat the lies that we buy into, we need to build a foundation in the word of God so that it, in the, while, while we're standing in the light, so that we have something firm to stand on in the darkness. Those same promises are true on your darkest days, when you're burned out, when you're depressed and discouraged, when you have, feel like you have nowhere else to turn because of your stress and your anxiety. Those promises are still true. His word does not change based on our circumstances. His word will accomplish its purposes. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Create a strong foundation in God's word so that when the storms come, which they will, you will be able to stand strong. God's word is like an anchor. It will hold you secure in the storm. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that it brings us even on our darkest days in our burnout, in our despair, in our worry, in our stress, we know that you are still God and that you are still good. And so we pray that you would meet us in our moments of worry and, and meet us, dress our, our needs, both physical, relational, and also, Lord, spiritual. And we thank you that in Christ, our needs have been met. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song here together. Number 493 in your blue hymnals. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea
himself, and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. You may go in peace.